Elon Musk PR. This is Ella. Elon, hi, how are you? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. I think you meant to fire me at a certain point, but then just in the middle of ruining several companies, you kind of forgot of running. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I said. So, yes, yes, I saw they went on stage at a comedy show. That was brave of you. Yeah, remember I said this was not the year for bravery? It was the year to stay home and say no to any events where you might be filmed. I know, I know you're used to people just bursting out laughing the second they see you, but remember what I said about context? It matters. Yeah, that is what I said. But you know what? You are an example to self-deluded people everywhere. And that is such an important demographic. Um, billionaires are, are the funniest comedians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You do know I didn't sign an NDA, right? Okay. As I'm sure you have guessed, that was not Elon Musk's real PR person. In fact, I think he's fired all of them. But that was Clara, a young woman who has 167,000 followers on TikTok under the name of Color Me Loverly. They tune in to hear her comedic impressions of how PR professionals handle crises for their celebrity clients. As you can see, her satire comes uncomfortably close to reality. And I sat down with her to dive into how she became known as the public relations comic, perhaps the only one, and how she chooses the topic she covers and what she thinks PR professionals can learn from her satirical pieces. This is Fred Cook. I'm your host of PR Future. Welcome back. I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you. I appreciate that. I discovered you when you were doing Djokovic PR. I think somehow a lot of people did because a lot of people have feel common dislike of the man. So you think that's what it was? Was that a big spike in your following? I don't, I don't know if it was a big spike, but it definitely gave me more sports fans than I had before. Whenever I do a sports PR, I get a new subset of demographics, which is very interesting always. Um, so I think Djokovic in particular is quite universally almost um, disliked, which is interesting. Well, you gave him some very good advice, I thought. <laughs> I tried. I tried my best. <laughs> which, which leads me to, to wonder, when I first saw this, I just assumed you were working in public relations, but you don't, right? I do not. No, I work in the corporate field, have for a long time. I never like to say my real job, just to be careful. Um, but but no, I've, I've been working in the corporate world for... Um, close to 10 years now. So it's, uh, I think anyone who works in the corporate field has a little PR person inside them, right? Anyone who's ever had a boss or someone they need to relay information to that might not be the greatest in a very nice way um, has, has a PR person in them. So I think that's why people can relate. No, it's, it's so authentic. And it, I've worked in public relations for 35 years. And, and your advice is not only sounds like something a publicist would say, it's also often very good advice. I appreciate that. Maybe I should start charging for my, for my fake PR advice. <laughs> well, how, how did you come up with this idea to create, to create a, a character that was a PR person for all these celebrities, right. notar notable people that are sort of in hot water. Right. Um, so it actually started with, I, I don't know if you watched this, but with the 
Oprah Winfrey interview of Harry and Meghan uh, at the beginning of last year. So at one point in the interview, Megan was saying, you know, I was really struggling and I had all of these issues and I reached out to the HR department at Buckingham Palace. And I thought that was so funny that, and but, but of course it is an organization, it is a brand, it is a business. Of course it would behave like a company, but I thought it was so funny that Buckingham Palace of all places would have an HR department. And, you know, it, it made me, it made me laugh. And I, I thought, well, they're not doing a very good job at this point. So um, they're clearly not getting amazing advice. So, so I, that's, that's how it started. So my first few videos were Buckingham Palace HR, not PR. And then it started mutating to PR um, because that's obviously what I was doing, but um, that's, that's how it started. And you didn't have any PR other than just being a, knowing about it. You had never given this no. sort of advice to anyone. Absolutely not. <laughs> that is so funny because it there there are a lot of news outlets on TikTok these days. Mm -hmm. um, people, yes, there are. I I don't see very many about PR. There are more now than there used to be, I think, but certainly more news and less less PR and you know sometimes people will comment on a video and tell me oh you're my news I get all of my news from you and that that always concerns me because I'm just you know you should not be getting your news from one minute TikToks that are designed not just mine but TikTok in general is designed to reach as many people as possible um, and appeal to as many people as possible so yeah there's there's an overlap definitely between news and comedy on TikTok but I think that that's a little detrimental at times to, to the news gathering business. Do you feel like that, are you careful when you're putting together a piece that your information is accurate or, or is it obviously because it's comedy, you're not as concerned about it? Um, with big things, I tend to check. Um, but when it comes to, you know, sometimes I layer in facts as jokes into, into the, the skits and in those cases, I, I tend to, to check my sources, just and, in case. And, and how do you choose the people that you want to feature in these little episodes? Yeah, so I am very active on pop culture. So I'm very aware of what's going on at all times. Uh, I always have been. I am a pop culture fiend. Uh, so I think just keeping up with what's happening in in the news and pop culture and just who's the Twitter main character of the day, uh, who is causing havoc. Um, that's kind of how I decide. And I, when something's super serious, uh, I, I tend not, not to talk about it just because I don't think it's the right medium. Um, but to the extent that something can be made funny, to the extent that, some, that I can make something funny, I, I, feel, I feel up to the task. <laughs> That it's, that it's poignant, I think. How do you make all that happen? I mean, I have had probably at this point hundreds of PR professionals reach out to me right. and tell me how, how seen they feel whenever they look at my videos, which has been, again, very validating because I feel like I'm, I'm doing you all proud when that happens. Um, but again, I, I mean, I think any, any corporate person um, has had to figure out a way to say something, to say things that might not 
come across in the best way if you don't workshop them a little bit or if you're not extra nice and coddling with your language. Um, so I think that's been anyone who has an internal or external client has in at some point spoken in the way that I speak in the videos, I think. Um, so I think that's why so many people relate to it because we've all had to say not very nice things in a very nice way in order to get our points across. Does this experience give you, how does it make you feel about the, the PR field? Does it make you sympathetic to what people are going through or do you think it's kind of crazy or, or, or what? I, I think it's probably quite quite difficult to be to be a PR professional. Um, I think as social media has has gotten bigger, it's been kind of a destruction of that buffer between celebrities and companies and the public. So it's been it's I feel like a lot of celebrities don't understand that it might not be for the best to do away completely with that barrier and, you know, actually listen to their PR professionals. And the directness has been a detriment um, to, to, some, to some people's reputations and to their relationships with fans and just to the way that, that the public relates to, to a celebrity. It's been, you know, we didn't have this 20 years ago that a celebrity could just tweet something out or post an Instagram or, do something so so immediate and so and so direct with with the public and i think that's been kind of a hard process probably for celebrities pr people just everyone in that field to to get used to yeah i think that you're right it has made um everything's more transparent and more mm -hmm. immediate and, yeah. and and people are saying things on social media that they probably shouldn't be saying um when you're when you're you talk a lot about celebrities it, it seems like sports figures or high profile people seem to be your your uh, clientele mainly of your little yeah. PR, your little PR firm um, do you think that they are more prone to uh, making mistakes or is it just that they're more visible than anybody else I think there's less steps between them and the public or less barriers between them and the public than a company's um, yeah. access. So I think that's why they make more visible mistakes because a company, before they put out any communications, have to go through so many steps, through so many approval processes. And that's not, that's not the case for, for most celebrities or high-profile figures. Um, so I think that's why we don't see as many errors coming from companies and when when they do happen you know they're very visible but they're they're more rare i think except in the case of elon musk perhaps exactly exactly but but he's you know he's he's one one in a billion one in 44 billion so to speak um and not and not in the way that he that, that he wants to be one in a billion but yeah he's an exception i think well, my understanding is at Tesla that he fired the PR department. Did, have yes, you heard that? he did. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I've read as well. And I think at Twitter, most of the comms department is also gone. So it's it's very, I mean, it's very interesting what corporate owners or what what management decides to put their value in because these are the things that determine the public's perception of a company is the PR department and the communications department. So if you do away with that, the reputational risk and cost to a company is potentially huge. So 
you know, it's it's interesting at the very least. In in your piece, you were the last PR person working for exactly. For yeah. And now and now even I'm gone. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a very funny piece. Um who what is your favorite uh, one that you have done? What is your favorite? Um, mm, I think it's probably one of the sports ones, honestly. I did a couple, at least one for Aaron Rodgers when mm -hmm. when he did. He did an interview, it was like peak COVID, saying that he had been immunized mm -hmm. and people obviously believed that it was vaccinated, but he meant that he had taken some sort of supplement. It was not a vaccine. So um i think probably probably that is one of my favorite ones that i've done and but there are some that you have not some people that you have not um satirized kanye west yeah. you had an interesting mm -hmm. piece about kanye but you decided not to uh, include him in, in, in anything funny yeah well i think my I did do an explanation video. Sometimes when, when someone is in the news a lot, I get a lot of comments and a lot of tweets and just requests to do a video on them. And I don't, I don't think that TikTok is really the correct medium. A one minute TikTok video just doesn't really give you the opportunity for the nuance that, that some of these people and issues need. Um, so that Kanye West was one example. Um, there's just... I, I said that, you know, satirizing something as serious as this kind of trivializes the issue and using comedy is, you know, it's a tool, but it's not the tool that should be used um, at all times when, especially when, when we're in the midst of discussing it seriously. I think you need a little bit of time sometimes to, to make fun of something. And I don't think we've reached that point yet um, in this issue um so so that's that's kind of my my thinking process when it comes to to a few people that i haven't talked about i thought it was a very thoughtful uh response to that and, and it was smart i think if you were somebody had a, if you had a pr person they might tell you to do that you know yeah i i got a few comments that were pr for clara clara's own pr department um so yeah, it's just, it's very easy when you're creating content for the internet to be very quick and be very immediate with the content that you create. And that I think leads to some not very thoughtful content being made that is then regretted. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's helpful to kind of take the time to reflect, especially when it comes to, to very, very serious issues like this one. Well, speaking of time, how long do you spend creating each, each uh, scenario? Um, it depends, honestly. So some I knock out in, you know, half an hour, but but others, it takes me hour and a half, two hours. So I don't really write a script. I just do takes um, until it's basically rolling off the tongue. Um, so I have, you know, five to 15 takes for every single one until it's basically a memorized script, but I don't actually write anything down. I just start improvising until it becomes uh, a spoken script, so to speak. And, and do you do this on your own by yourself? Yes, which is why the, the production value is not always, it's not always top notch. So yes, <laughs> I do do it by myself. Are you surprised that so many, you have so many followers and you've gained so much attention doing this? Did that surprise you? 
Um, very much so. Very much so. Um, I started this March of last year, um, and pretty soon after, I had um, you know a relatively large following and people that I've admired for a long time started following me. And that's really validating, I think, as a creative person, um, just to see people who you've admired become your peers is, is just very exciting. So, so yeah, it's, it's been very shocking, but very, very rewarding, obviously. Well, like who are you talking about? Can you give us an example? Um, sure, so I, Elizabeth Holmes is a is a journalist and she covers the royal family a lot so she speaks um, she speaks about them a fair bit um, and she you know she followed me a few months ago and you know we've become internet acquaintances um, and then other people that I admire and within the TikTok space as well so Claire Brown who does a lot of um, satirical kind of racial videos on TikTok um, has, has, we've been friends for a very long time. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been very nice to, to meet a lot of, a lot of people through, through social media, whether it's um, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, who kind of share your humor, your, your values. Um, so yeah. That's great. And what about, do you think of this ever being a business or would you ever monetize it in any way? I think it's difficult. Uh, first, because I'm not a real PR person. So it would feel like I'm, I'm cheating people with my advice. Um, so that's one thing. And second, I feel like the moment you monetize something, it becomes it becomes less funny, it becomes less relevant. You start thinking of every permutation of how it'll impact um, the money-making aspect of it. Um, so for now, I'm, I'm lucky that I can just do this basically as a hobby and keep keep my regular nine to five. Um, so so no, for the moment, I think, I think I'm okay not monetizing it. Well, because you have a full-time job, when do you, do you usually do this at night or on the weekends or when Usually do you at night, yeah. So it's, um, that's why there are some weeks that I, that I don't put any content out because they're very busy weeks. Um, but yeah, it's usually, usually after, after work. So I have, I have a rule that in the mornings I don't really check TikTok because it can really take up a lot of my time. So um, yeah, starting, starting after work, I generally think and, and kind of film the videos. And do you have a schedule you like to do one a week? Is that what your goal is? I, I used to do one every single day, actually, when I first yeah. started. So that that took up a lot of time. Um, now I do a couple a week, maybe. Um, it, it also depends on my, my availability, how how many people are, are messing up publicly. Uh, so it depends. Sometimes there's, you know, pop culture doesn't sleep. So, so it, it very much depends on how, how active the, the news are. So you're just like a regular PR person. You just have to be ready at all times. Exactly, at a moment's <laughs> notice. At a moment's notice. Um, what about the corporate world? You, you focus mostly on well-known celebrities or sports mm -hmm. figures. Have you, have you thought about companies as, um, as objects for your satire? 
I have, I have. So I've done a few. Um, I think I did a Chanel one at some point because they put out a very strange yeah. advent calendar. Um, and I've done I've done the DNC um, just after a few a few blunders. Um, but I think obviously companies are way more impactful than individuals. Um, they're, individuals are more visible, but, but companies are more impactful. So again, they make less mistakes and less, less funny mistakes, more importantly for me. So it's, it's sometimes hard to satirize without having so much content, um, so much context rather. Um, so if, if I have to explain something a lot in a video, then it becomes a lot less funny. So without, without the context, it's, it's difficult. I've done Facebook, um, but again, it's very well-known companies that people don't really need to read up about before watching my video to understand. Right, so you're, you're talking about things that most people already know about. Exactly, and even if, even if they're, they're kind of niche interests, I've done a few Broadway PRs. Um, even then, the people that do know about it are fervent fans. So, so it's just depending on 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 the context. What we just had an election, uh, and did. a lot of uh, interesting people running for office these days. Do you ever yes. think about uh, focusing on some of these candidates? Um, as as PR things, yeah. um, I have I did one for Dr. Oz. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I did that. Um, again, I feel like I have to be careful with that because, you know, obviously I have my views and people are very aware of what my views are. I think. Um, again, it's kind of a serious thing that's doesn't leave on a one minute TikTok does not leave a lot of room for nuance. And it's it's difficult to kind of toe the line between funny and trying to advertise for a candidate. I, I never wanted to seem like I'm fundraising, not fundraising, but um, supporting or what's the word? supporting or, or campaigning, campaigning for for a candidate. Um, on, on this platform, at least on TikTok. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's difficult to kind of toe that line. And I've been generally weary of doing that. Well, I think of the of the content that I've seen of yours, you also draw the line of being offensive. I, I don't think mm -hmm. the people that you're making fun of would probably laugh at it also. Is, is, is that what you're shooting for or, or not? I think so, I think so, with, with a few exceptions. I don't think I'd want Djokovic to laugh at my videos, but, but generally speaking, yeah, I like, I feel like it's, it's hard, it's easy to, to be offensive on the internet, to kind of have a short fuse and kind of getting that balance between you know, cheeky and offensive and rude um, is difficult. So, you know, it's it's a tease. I, I feel like I'm, I'm teasing the person for, for the most part and pointing out the issues, obviously, but but in a way that, yeah, isn't super offensive. That is that is generally the goal. I'm, I never want to be cruel or mean. No, I don't think you come across as either of those. Um, Good. <laughs> How did you, you said you started in HR and you sort of switched to PR. 
Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting way in to have these conversations about these celebrities in crisis or right. these or whatever uh, they're involved with. How, how did it? How did that come about that you were going to be their PR agency, so to speak? Well, so again, it started with Buckingham Palace HR. That was my first probably 10 videos were solely that. And, you know, they, they put out a lot of content material. So it was very easy. But then at some point, people started commenting, what you're doing is really giving them PR advice. Like this isn't an internal HR situation. <laughs> you're, you're telling them what to, what to say to the press, what to say to people, how to conduct themselves in public. That's not really HR's role. And I obviously agreed. So I, I think that's that's why I switched over. And, you know, it's it's just really interesting to see the way that certain celebrities behave and have a link to the public. And I think some some celebrities have such a good understanding of it. And they they appear just close enough to to the public to seem like they're right there with them. And then others don't know how to draw that line and they will just say anything. So I, I think it's, it's very interesting to see. And from a communications perspective and from a cultural perspective, I think the, the filter aspect of a PR professional is, is key. If you were working for a celebrity, say in the music business, an up and coming recording artist, would you recommend they get on TikTok? I would suggest that they don't get on TikTok just because it's, you know, it's easy to to mess up on TikTok. It's not a place for nuance. It is a place where it's very easy to make mistakes and to it's very easy to post a video. And the easier the the more accessible and easy a platform is, the easier it is to make mistakes, I think. Um, but I think they have to at this point in the in the music industry, especially if they're a young and up and coming artist just songs become famous on TikTok before they become famous on the radio. Just TikTok is driving more music sales, I think, for, for young artists than, than any other platform. So it's TikTok charts, radio. It's, it's completely upended the way that a lot of industries work in a very short amount of time, which, I mean, is very interesting from kind of a cultural perspective, but it's also a little bit scary. <laughs> And you were talking before about TikTok in terms of the, the news. A lot of younger people are getting their news from TikTok. And mm -hmm. that's it, one of their main sources of information. Do you, do you, are you concerned about that? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a great idea. I, I think it should be a starting point. I, I don't think it should ever be the sole source of information for people. If I understand that obviously the news are very overwhelming and now you can get your news from so many different sources. So if you are getting your news on TikTok, which I, I personally don't um, just because I, I enjoy a long story. I enjoy a long piece. Um, so I, I, I like reading the news, but if you do start your news gathering on TikTok, I always suggest kind of using it as a starting point, seeing what you're interested in. And then from there, you know, trying to read a few articles about it or listening to a couple of podcasts. Um, I don't think a one minute or even three minute TikTok from someone is going to ever be enough to, to keep you informed. That's, That's my millennial view. <laughs>
What what media outlets do you follow? Um, just the usual. So the Times, um, the Washington Post at times. Uh, I like New York Magazine. I like the Atlantic. Um, what else? I keep up on Twitter a lot. So from there, just see who people who I trust, what what news articles they share, and I read a lot of those. Um, so so mostly that. It sounds like you consume a lot of media. I do consume a lot of media. That is accurate. That is very accurate. Well, speaking of Twitter, what, what do you make of what's going on at Twitter? What's going to happen then? It's really scary, actually. Um, just a platform that people have spent so much time on and building communities on. And so many people rely on Twitter to get their news. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I used to think he can't possibly ruin it. He's one person, but it's, it's getting closer to that by, by the, by the day, it looks like it might be heading into bankruptcy. Um, I don't know. I think I've, I've said this before, um, but I feel like this is, you know, a failure of regulation and just governments failing to see Twitter, Facebook, all of these huge tech companies as media companies that have become a little bit of a public good at this point because of the way that people use it. So it's it's very disappointing that that it's gotten to this point and that, you know, he's single-handedly almost destroying um, a very useful and a critical platform you know like Arab Spring wouldn't have happened without TikTok without Twitter just we we think about it as you know a place for jokes and comedy and silly tweets but it's also you know there are so many tv shows that wouldn't have been successful if it weren't for Twitter campaigns and just fans being big fans and sharing it with all their friends it's just you know it would be a huge loss if Twitter were to were to implode but your your followers suggest things right Followers definitely suggest things, yes, um, which I, I usually appreciate, um, you know, because we usually care about the same things. So, so yeah, it's, it's good, community uh, built. Good, good source of ideas. <laughs> exactly. Given your success in a very short time uh, on social media, how, what advice would you give to other people who are, would like to be content creators and have the following? Mm -hmm. Um, I think just do, do what you're comfortable with, do what you know, don't, don't try to create content that is, that is far from your interests or that you think people will enjoy. That shouldn't be the driver. The driver should be things that you're interested in, things that you know a lot about, um, and things that you can see yourself doing for a, a time to come. Um, I don't know. I think success on social media is very hit or miss. It's a lot of luck. I don't, you know, I see, I see a lot of creators who are much more talented than me, who have less of a following than me and the opposite. So I, I, I think it's very hit or miss. I think it's very dependent on, you know, the time that you, that you strike. So if you're not successful on social media, especially at first, I wouldn't take it very personally because especially with the way that algorithms work, it's it's all very, very mysterious. It's, it's a black box of, of success. But you you have come, you have landed on something that is unique. 
I don't think there's anything, or I haven't seen anything like it. If there is, there's not, it's not like you're copying anyone else. Is mm -hmm. that, do you think that's part of it? I think that's part of it. Yeah. And I think the fact that I talk about things and people and, and companies and issues that people know about and can relate to. And again, I think the way that, you know, the way that you communicate your ideas matters almost as much as the content that you're communicating. Um, so I think that's what people relate to with with the PR videos, just saying the most outlandish things in, in a very cordial tone um, is relatable to anyone who has ever had a job or a boss, uh, I think. So I, yeah, I think that's that's a huge part of it. Just the pop culture and the the tone of it all. Well, ha having done this, impersonating PR people, mm -hmm. very well, what advice would you have? Here at USC, we have lots of young people mm -hmm. into this profession. And based on your experience, what would you say they should uh, be careful of or, or be good at? Um, I think that kind of the double speak of it all, right? Just learning how to say, tough things in a in a gentle semi-coddling tone um to to the people that you're trying to manage or the people that you're offering advice to i think that you know communication is obviously the the biggest thing and just being being aware of how public thinking is shifting i think that's that's huge just anticipating how the public will will respond to something will react to something is, is a huge part of it. And I think that's less with people and more with companies. That's been the real, that's been a real challenge, I think, for, for communications. Does it surprise you that sometimes people who have done things that are pretty heinous have PR people working for them? That, 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 that people, PR people are willing to take on clients like that? Um, definitely the willing part. Um, there, there are some, yes. But you know, you see that with every industry, right? You see that in, in, in law. You see that in in finance. You know, there's always people representing awful, awful humans. Um, so I think that's just part part of society at this point. Um, when people don't listen to their PR professionals, I that doesn't surprise me because, especially with celebrities, because they are just they think they're above it all um, a lot of the time, and they. Again, once you've reached a certain level, you stop being in touch with what people, what the public really thinks and how, how they'll react. Um, at least that's what I've seen in a lot of people. So- if Your conversations have that element to them. You're trying to explain to them what, what life is really like. Exactly. And they're not really getting it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I think bringing bringing people down to the ground to to a ground level i think that's that's a big that's a big part of my understanding of pr as a non pr person bringing your clients to your level or to the public's level so i guess the question is are, are you portraying what you think is a a, a good pr person a <laughs> bad one or just an average one and what would how would you characterize your yourself as a pr person I think 
mostly mostly just a good one who's unlistened to, like a harried PR professional who is not who is not listened to by their clients. Um, that's that's been my my character the entire time. It's never my fault. <laughs> it's never my character's fault. It is the client's. It's your client's <laughs> fault. Well, that, that's a good way to look at it. And I think oftentimes that's that's the case. Uh, right. In many cases, it's you do what you can, but it ultimately it's up to the client. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ends up being the the deciding factor. Yeah. Well, I it's been a, a such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, likewise, likewise. What, what do you where do you see this going? Where do you, what's the future of of Color Me? I I don't know. I'll probably keep doing PR, um, but I've been branching out into other types of content that I enjoy. So I've been doing some very very random literature related TikToks um just because that's always been one of my interests um and I don't know I'm just having fun with the platform again like any any business like any social media platform it could be gone by next month so I feel like I am leaning into the fun of it and just doing doing what what I want to do with it so it's been it's been great so far um I've had a great response and built a nice community so I think I'll just keep doing that and and hope for the best and and does this level of fame that you've achieved um how do you feel about that it's it's really not a huge level of fame. The the most people that have come up to me is one person at trivia last week. So so really it's it's a very manageable level of fame. I I I don't feel harassed by my fans whatsoever. So so it's been it's been nice. Everyone for the most part who follows me is very kind and is very supportive. And um yeah, I have I have no complaints. And who does your PR? Who does I do my own PR? Clearly, clearly, only trust the best. <laughs> that's I think that's the way to go. Well, uh, <laughs> I wish you the best of success. And thank you. Thank you for being on our little podcast. Of course, we've enjoyed we enjoy watching you, and I hope that more and more people do. And we'll be telling everybody in PR that they better tune in. <laughs> thank you very much. I, I I really enjoyed it. Bye bye. Thanks again. Uh, thank you. Now that you're familiar with Clara and her work, I hope you'll follow her on TikTok. Her parodies are not only funny, but they're a great example of how different approaches and communications, such as satire, can resonate with different audiences. The Center for Public Relations at the Annenberg School is constantly monitoring emerging trends like this one. To read more about current trends, check out our 2023 relevance report on our website and keep an eye out for the next Global Communications Report in a month or two. And thanks again for tuning in to PR Future. It's a podcast created by PR professionals for PR professionals. You can also subscribe to our podcast at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode was recorded and produced in L.A. by Grayson Wolf, Loki Wu, Matthew Kalma, Andrea Hubbard, Spencer Klein, and Ron Antoinette. And once again, I'm your host, Fred Cook, and thanks for tuning in to PR Future.